Welcome to Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Porkfeld and Craig Cerventi. Let's, well, let's, let's, let's talk anyway. Let's otherwise just run with just, it. It'll be fine. Otherwise, it's yeah. just going to be two grown men sitting here Dude, clapping. <laughs> clapping slow, at each other all. The worst slow clap in history. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, uh, kia ora. Um, no mai harumai. Uh, welcome to uh, a podcast called Verging on Greatness. Uh, Hello. This is me, Mike, and my friend Craig, where we talk about a movie that is close to greatness but not quite there, and we try and figure out what's what's holding it back. What's What are the little things that you would change? What are the little things that they didn't quite... That, that weren't quite there that stop it from from being a really truly fully satisfying movie experience and where um we got a new challenge today tonight i'm, I'm saying tonight it's morning where craig is because he's on the other it's side it's definitely of the, world. the morning yeah um but we're got we're giving ourselves a bit of a challenge uh with this episode uh, this is our first oscar winner yeah, out and out Oscar winner that too. We are, like, that we are doing. None of the sort of we gave them a best supporting actor business to, to oh, keep them yeah, all best, quiet. The cheap seats, yeah. Best this picture, best picture. This, this movie owned that shit, and we are talking about Shakespeare in Love. Yay! He said enthusiastically into the microphone. <laughs> this was Craig's choice. <laughs> Amazingly, um, I have I have regrets. <laughs> I. <laughs> yeah you know in, so, in the intro mike just just to sidetrack you because i love to sidetrack you in the intro you said what things could a movie do to make itself better and you, you know what you know what enough movies don't do that could make it a lot better what free ice cream and popcorn i i think even the worst film ever would be improved by free ice cream and popcorn well you free yes ice cream and popcorn yeah. Yes. Just saying. They. Yeah. Like. But what? Like at the cinema, I get that. It's quite diff- That would be quite difficult when you're at home. I, I like, think Hollywood can get on it. I think we're at a point now where we don't need uh, actors anymore. They're well, just CG up some stuff. Well, yeah. we've got. We've got like. You could have drone delivery ice cream yeah. and popcorn. Absolutely. Right? You could yeah. be doing. You could be doing that shit. You could be. You could be tying that in with your with your movie purchase on on Netflix. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think happen. you should Hollywood get on it. Make it, make that shit make, happen. Make um, it happen. They certainly weren't doing it in Shakespeare's day. No, um, no. free chlamydia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Syphilis is free, yo. So this is so that's when this movie is set. It's it is about Shakespeare. Um, he is, is in love. Uh, he and is. It's a. Uh, so I'm, I mean, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna describe the movie. I'm sure you've seen it. If you haven't, um, spoilers, everybody. You should, yeah, you should probably watch it before you listen to the podcast, or, or, or listen to um, this and then go watch it, and you, you know, or you could do the or something. You, you yeah, could put you us could, on. Yeah. You could put us on as you might have like to loop a, it. It's a long a commentary, film, so. commentary mm. track. Um, it is a lot. We should do one of those. Yeah, what's well, not? It's not super long. It's it's two hours. It's a pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's a, a solid two hours. Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, let me check. Yeah, a little little under, like like an hour forty odd. It's fairly um, tight. Two hours tight. and three minutes, according to it's, to IMDb. Um, man, and and the talent that they have in in this movie, they just yeah, they just all keep, star cast keep popping up. All star cast. Um, uh, well, I don't know about all star cast. I mean, the, the biggest star in there would be Gwyneth Paltrow, right, and Ben Affleck, but. Everybody yeah, and, and, else in this film is in terms of solid, yeah, solid, solid working actors. Um, Jeffrey Rush. I mean, I think going down the list of the cast, uh, there's six Oscar noms and/or winners. Like Jeffrey Rush is definitely yeah. an Oscar winner. Tom Wilkinson is definitely Oscar nominated. Um, gosh, Judy Dench, Gwyneth Paltrow, Colin Firth. Yeah, they're all Oscar. Imelda Staunton, she's an Oscar nominee. So that's six. Yep. Six Oscar-nominated or winning actors in this film, and Judy That's a Judy lot of talent. Judy Dench famously won this, won the uh, Best Supporting Actress award for this in a tie with Jack Nicholson, I think, for winner of that award who has the least amount of screen time. Yeah, four, she's in th- four scenes. Yeah, f- is it f- four? Four scenes. Yeah. Four scenes. She's on. She's on screen for a total of about six minutes. She must have yeah. about maybe thirty lines, if that. Maybe less. She certainly. Um. She certainly uh, 
puts weight to the saying that there's no small parts, only small actors. Because um, she she dominates every scene she's in. She's fantastic. She is she is fantastic. Yeah, and I, yeah. and I wouldn't say either of those uh, either of those awards are not deserved either. Nicholson also kills every scene he is in in the way that he must for his character in um, what do you call it? Uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. Um, they're in the army. Air Force. Oh, a few Cruise good is a men. lawyer. A few good men. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jack, I was, um, as an aside, and just because we're talking about Jack Nicholson and, and award-winning performances, he was, uh, I watched the 89 Batman just the other day, the yeah. Tim Burton one. He's Oscar-nominated for that as the Joker. And um, watching it today, like, some of it's a little bit, I mean, it's a bit dated now, obviously, and I don't think anyone's going to watch it and think of it as an action spectacle. It has surprisingly little action in it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Jack Nicholson crushes it, and every scene he's in just owns that shit. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, and I, I guess the 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 same as here is true with Judy Dench. Like she just crushes this shit. Yep, she's and 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 the way that she yeah she embodies the character in the way that she must and and I you know if if the director uh, John, John Madden said to her every scene that you are in everybody must must know you are there mm. everybody in the and must just have this sense holy shit that's the queen over there. Yeah, and that's exactly what she delivers. Yeah, I yeah her scenes her scenes are standout for me in this film. Um, yeah, I I don't think you can say enough about Judy Dench in, in this film. She's phenomenal. <laughs> so um, so it's so Shakespeare's in love, and so it's the the story of him being in love parallels the story of Romeo and Juliet. And he is writing Romeo and Juliet at the time. And so the idea is that the inspiration is coming from life to write Around the play. Mm. And, and vice versa, the play and the production of the play is also, is also enabling the, the, his own love story because he is in love with Gwyneth Paltrow's character... Uh, Viola. Thank you, Viola. He's, he's in love with Viola and Viola is playing romeo dressed as a man uh thomas king thomas which i'm sure is kent which i'm sure is a reference that i don't get but um yeah thomas kent well i I mean i yeah i I think it's it's all uh, i mean that's a very shakespearean thing too to to gender bend and have someone dressed as a man and the tropes basically the pot of 12th night but yeah if the tropes if they're not directly coming from r and j then they are certainly coming from something in the shakespeare uh, yeah, collect, absolutely. Collect, collection. So yeah, yeah. Uh, play within a play. Um, yep. uh, Cross dressing, gender bending, cross dressing, gender, gender bending. Um, um, forbidden love. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tragedy. Um, um, people so, dying. So forbidden, yeah. forbidden in this sense because um, playwrights in Shakespeare's time were not very highly regarded, um, nor were actors or anybody involved with the theatre. Um, <laughs> Wait, but, are they highly regarded now? <laughs> <laughs> actors, are, okay, actors are highly regarded. I don't know. Have you, like ever, film, eaten with, have you film, ever eaten with one? <laughs> film, film actors, oh. <laughs> like Hollywood actors. Oh, um, oh, right. <laughs> and um, and that, so the reason their love is forbidden. They're not from warring families, but um, uh, Viola's very wealthy. She, yeah, she's got a lot of she's got a lot of cash, a lot of a lot of folding money, and, and um, her parents are busy trying to sell her off to the to the best. Yeah, bidder. so she's 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 been she's been sold essentially. She's she's being married off to Colin Firth. Oh, the horror! Um, oh, the horror! Yeah, who is the dreamy uh, but also awful? Um, I wrote down his character's name. Lord Wessex. Lord Lord Wessex. And so the so the, the the story kind of the, the stories run along in parallel. And I I mean, okay, let's get it out get it out of the way. I really like this. I think this movie is <laughs> on point. Craig hates it. What hate is that too strong? Hate hates a strong word. I, there's a lot of things about this that I. Uh, if you don't know me, um, I've done a little bit of Shakespeare in my time, and uh, there's a, a few things about this film that just yeah, as has Mike. Um, and uh, in fact, uh, I even directed a 
stage adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, and you were in it. Mike. Oh, which I was, which I was in. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I, I recognize some of the lines when they do the play within the play. The Benvolio, Benvolio gets some. He gets a bit of he gets a bit of action after yeah. uh, after the after the Mercutio death. That's right. Uh, yeah, uh, that all came flooding back. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. What watching it for me is like, oh yeah, that's how that's how I kind of envisioned that scene going. But you know, we didn't have uh, high paid actors and and great sword choreography. I think we did okay for the for the resources we had available to us at the time. Um, ben, Aff- ben Affleck, uh, slightly <laughs> slightly more polling power than Brian Johnson from Scotland. <laughs> oh, I like Brian. Brian was great. Uh, love but, you, Brian, um, ben, if you're listening. Ben Affleck, yeah, <laughs> love you, Brian. Uh, ben Affleck was great too. Um, yeah, he, he shows. So he shows. I'd forgotten he was even he was in this. He shows up. Yeah. Um, it's a good half an hour in before. Yeah, he, and he turns just turns up. up. Surprise, Ben Affleck. Really yeah. strolls in. Uh, it, it, it really is surprised Ben Affleck. Like I, I don't know. It's it's really surprising that they 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 chucked him in there for what's ostensibly a pretty small role. Yeah, cameo, more or less. It is. Yeah. It is. It's almost. It's got slightly more than Judy Dench, but a lot more. Yes, but he I has guess a little bit more to chew on. But yeah, I guess in that sense, when he is playing, and there's and there's a bit of a bit of kind of in some in humor here, where you get a guy who was an incredibly highly paid. Um, famous actor mm. to play your most famous actor and then to give him essentially a not a bit part but give him make him not the lead and so yeah. they, pl- they play and they play with that in the movie as well where they he tells them that the play is called Mercutio that's um, right <laughs> and, he, and he points out that he dies and he's like i'm dead <laughs> halfway through <laughs> halfway through what the hell <laughs> so there's a there's a certain you know there's a there's a, a humor i guess they were going for that made it worth the money to get ben Affleck yeah. for what was a pretty for what was ultimately a pretty small and inconsequential role in the film that could have been played by a lot of other people um but i guess and okay so i'll i'll, I'll give you this one i'll give you this right off the bat because that's a really good example of where this movie you know it's 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 pretty smug it knows what it's doing um and it, it includes yeah. a lot of a lot of in humor like that uh, and I, I think it, it it treads a pretty fine line and, and it probably crosses it a few times where where it's just a little bit too smart a little bit too full of itself yeah it it, it there's parts of it that just strike me as false because um it is exactly that it is a little it is a little spunk for its own good it does it does know what it's dealing with it knows its source material and it's bending a whole bunch of stuff as well um the idea that i mean just the idea that shakespeare is solely responsible for romeo and juliet and he's taken this inspiration from life around him i mean that that for me in and of itself is kind of rings a little false because we know full well that everything including the names and places and um the general plot was largely borrowed from earlier sources. Yeah. Um, there's this published work in uh, 1524. Um, I forget the guy's name, um, but yeah, everything everything down to and accepting Mercutio and I forget the other character, uh, Paris. Um, those are the only two original characters that Shakespeare adds to the play, um, mm. and then everything else is just uh, like that. Starts that that's the part where it starts to irk me. It's like. You didn't. He didn't write this show like that. It, I don't know. I just well, don't get. A, yeah, there's a well-established um, tradition of assuming that everything that Shakespeare wrote happened to Shakespeare. Yeah, right? and cl- like the, you, all of the sonnets you read, assuming that it's all him writing about something, because it's more romantic that way. To it think, is. To think that he was this, you know, Ralph Fiennes, uh, Joseph Fiennes, um, looking, looking dude. Um, wandering around boning women like Gwyneth Paltrow and not, <laughs> not this kind of balding, ugly dude with chlamydia. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, well, he's, he, had a, he had a wife and kids, but he lived in, you know, living living off the reservation. Yeah, they're in Stratford upon Avon, they're living in Stratford. They? Yeah, they were... living it up in, living it up in, in uh, London. In London, living presumably a pretty sleazy life, and not not. I would sleep, imagine so. Not yeah. sleeping with a lot of a lot of really glamorous uh, Hollywood starlets. Holly, Hollywood starlets. <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. you know, but that doesn't. That's not gonna. That, that's that's not gonna get people into your. Actually, actually, you know what? There is a really cool movie. Did you see that movie? There is a movie that's about 
um, Shakespeare and that does tip that on its head and it, it, put, it presents the character of Shakespeare as a front. And it's... Oh. Did you see that movie? Um, I'm gonna is that the, the one... I'm going to forget the name of it now. Um, is that the one where um, it's the the Duke of something or other and he's... Um, it's all presented as historical... It's like in a historical fiction where... Uh, oh, yeah, I know the movie you're talking about. And there's yeah, incest shit. and everything. I'm never yeah. going to remember the name, but it's it's cool. It's, it's, has it got about... Reese Davies or Reese Evans in it? Uh, possibly. It must be about five, ten years old. Yeah. Maybe ten years? Yeah, Reese. Is that how you say it? Reese Evans? 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 Don't know. Evans? I'm butchering it. Um, yeah, yeah, I know the film you're talking about. It's. Um, Oh, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, you look. You look uh, that up. I'll talk. You. Yeah. You Google. Um, so anonymous. Anonymous. That's what it's called. Yeah. Anonymous. Yeah. Cool. Carry on. So that's yeah. That's a that's a, an example of doing the same thing that Shakespeare in Love does essentially, but just turning that trope on its head and saying, "What if Shakespeare wasn't even Shakespeare?" Which mm. is more along the lines of the way that the scholarship goes. I think. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. There's a. There's an elitist, I mean, this starts to get into some, some areas that I, I, I tend to get quite animated about, but there's an elitism to academia that only someone who had gone to a good school and had gone through a world-class education could possibly be responsible for the works that are the collected works of Shakespeare, hmm. uh, which I, I find a little disingenuous. It's, it's like, well, just because they didn't have an Oxford degree doesn't hmm. mean they aren't smart. You know, you can be a good writer and not have the pedigree that some of these other of his contemporaries had you, know, you can be mm. smart and not having gone to a, a fancy world-class university yeah but yeah that, 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 that's an interesting topic for discussion i i tend to believe that shakespeare was shakespeare and that he mm. was a dude who was working in the theater and he just had a really good understanding of what made a show work because yeah. he could write for the guy and he could write for the groundlings and he could write for the guys in the upper tier and um, he just understood that that relationship between you know the audience and the show, and, and he, he he wrote uh, appropriately. Well, at least mm. with his earlier stuff, his later stuff tends to get a little bit weird. But mm. um, yeah, um, Gosh. interesting. Other, interesting other thing before we talk too much before we start digging into digging into the movie. Um, uh, it's also one of a, 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 only a very small number of comedies to have won Best Picture. The only other yeah. one that's, the only other one that springs to mind is Annie Hall. I, I know it's a very small. Um, it's a very small stable of of comedies to have won Best Picture. It's, it's pretty uncommon. Oh uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, virtually none of them are uh, are winners. And Annie Hall, I think, was originally written as a thriller, and then they decided at the last minute to make it a comedy, and they just switched it around a little bit. And and then you you're shitting me. Yeah, I think that's how the story goes, isn't it? It started it started life as a completely different film, and then. Um, and it has this dark ending that they kind of um, they change around a little bit, and then you wound up with what is Annie Hall. So I, it's one of those films that was saved in editing. It, it um, yeah, I think that's how it goes. I've never seen it myself, but that you know, doesn't that doesn't, doesn't sound like Annie Hall to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could be wrong. I, I might have to go and have a look at this, and we can revisit it. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure Annie Hall started as a completely different film tonally, and okay. then they changed it in editing. So. So I want to I want I want to talk about the Oscar worthiness of this, but but, oh but before before we do that, should we talk about <laughs> should we talk about the movie itself, and should we save yeah, the, sure, go on. save yeah. the Oscar stuff to the end? So um, yeah. uh, the the script I mean the script is absolutely tight. It's it's really it hits all its marks. It's funny. It's romantic. Um, it's 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 really tight. All of the the scenes the scenes all hang together. It swings along. Um, so the first yeah, it has it has good pace. Yeah. First act, it, first act, uh, you're, you're presented yeah. with your problem, and and you 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 meet Will, and you know his problem very straight away. Um, he's he's got writer's block, and there's the and there's very first scene after he's after he's had that meeting with um is it with Jeffrey Rush's character, he's off to the apothecary, and he's you know he's spilling his guts to the apothecary, and he explains. Um, the apothecary, he, he has a, a faux, yeah, it's pretty well done. There's a faux kind of um, psychology, like, uh, you know, he's on the, he's on the Slash. couch getting therapy. He's on the from couch. Apothe- apothecary, um, which is yeah. partly an excuse for a lot of dick jokes, which is again, but it's again kind of an, an in-joke yeah. 
uh, about modern, you know, modern psychotherapy yep. and, um, yeah. Uh, also, the 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 doctor's name was Moth, which I thought was funny because that's a one of the names of one of the fairies. Yeah, from, that's a Shakespeare. That's a Shakespeare. Um, Someone dream is Moth. Um, yeah. And so as 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 problem as as he's got writer's block, and of course the apothecary asks him about how he's how he's getting on with the ladies. Um, and so he makes there's yeah. there's a few there's a few deck jokes um, where they they tie together um, his 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 passion for writing and his passion for women, and so and so you, by the end of that scene you know okay these two these two things are linked poetry and love or lust, um, and so that's what he's going to need and as soon as he gets one he's going to get the other and so as with Romeo and Juliet he has a he has a love interest already at the start. Um, whose name is Rosaline, Rosaline. Uh, in the movie as in the play, mm. um, and so he, he goes to her, um, thinking yep. that she's going to be she's going to be his muse. Um, but through you know, over over the course of the first act, so they're in, they're starting production on this play of which he has not written a word, and they're casting for it. And um, Viola Gwyneth Paltrow turns up dressed as a man, um, and she's she's the only person who auditions who doesn't read. Um, this is the face that launches a thousand ships. Uh, she reads she reads a piece of um a piece of of uh shakespeare's which which wins him over as much through her yeah. talent as through stroking his ego um and yeah. so she but she she runs off and there's a chase and by the end of the first act he's met her and they're having a dance uh and they're madly in love as and without with you're barely saying a word again as with romeo and juliet i'll stop i'll stop i'll stop adding that i'm assuming you're familiar with, with romeo, and, romeo juliet. and juliet and you're picking up on where the where the plot points are intersecting um you know it's funny i, I knew a, a theater um owner that was unfamiliar with the plot of romeo and juliet um and were they were they were absolutely aghast aghast to find out how it <laughs> did, ends. Did you spoil it? And did you spoil the ending of, of Romeo and Juliet for them? No. No, well, they were... That production that we put on, the person who was running the theatre at the time, was singularly unqualified for the job. And, um, and yeah, we gave them a ticket to come to the show. And, and they, they, they didn't come to the show until you know, many nights in. And then the next day, uh, they... they they approached me and they were they were both elated and ecstatic about the show um but then they were mortified that we had put on a summer show that had such a downer (laughs) ending um (laughs) and i'm just like have you never you've never seen this before and she was like no i've never seen it before and i was and you run a theater how is this possible (laughs) Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm skipping some great, I'm, I'm skipping some great scenes here. Some really, really, you know, the, he meets, he meets Marlowe, who's played by Rupert Everett again, you know, really solid actor in a really tiny role. I think yep. he's actually only in that one scene maybe perhaps yep. one other one. Um, I think he's in two. He does he, the one in the bar him, where he feeds, he him, the, him, the feeds him the name and the idea that of the, the star-crossed lovers and the families. He even he even names yeah, yeah. oh no he likes the yeah. name Romeo and then he, that's name. another yeah. another great scene where he's the, 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 there's a boat a boat chase along the river along the river Thames and the the oh, boat yeah. rower yeah. asks him if he's an actor and he's <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> are you a playwright <laughs> I'm something of a playwright oh there's myself. also a, there's also one what's probably what's what must be the worst scene in this movie undoubtedly which is the exposition scene with um uh. Uh, Viola's mum it's just exists for the sole purpose of Viola's mum saying that they're going to be away for three weeks like they could have just they could have just held up um, they could have just ha- they must have been tempted to just put up like a text box like in the you know in the silent film era Viola's parents are going away for three weeks there we go we just saved three minutes off the runtime. <laughs> <laughs> or or they, maybe they could have nailed um, like a note on yeah. the, the larder door saying <laughs> off to the country for three weeks. Off, off to the country for three weeks. Here's some yeah. here's some gold doubloons have to a, buy yourself some food with. Have a Don't good spend it all on partying. <laughs> oh, you meet the nurse wedding? as well. There's a nurse played by Imelda Staunton, um, who was the just the embodiment of the Shakespeare of the Romeo and Juliet nurse as well. So you know, I'm I'm skipping a lot of cool stuff in that first act. Yeah. Um, so they, 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 they fall in love, um, and they, they very quickly, um, 
get into an get into a, an affair. Uh, ben Affleck shows up to bolster the cast because they're, they're they're struggling for cast members because the the yeah. playhouses have been closed, the theaters have been closed for the plague, so all of the best actors are all on tour, and they they all they all return triumphantly. Yeah. I've got to say, um, Ben Affleck in this film, when he when he turns up, he's one of my favorite things about the film in general. Because um, we've been introduced to uh, Tom Wilkinson's yeah. character already, and he's a he's a Finneyman. particularly vicious money lender who um, Finneyman who has his own his own goons that follow around after him. And we establish really early on that he is he is a badass, and he will have no trouble yeah. literally putting your feet to the fire. He he's definitely in control of this theater because he he becomes a financial backer in order to guarantee his return of a loan of twenty pounds or sixteen pounds whatever it is, um, and I love when um, I love when Ben Affleck turns up. Um, what one of the, one of the things I really enjoyed was he, when Ben Affleck turns up and and promptly shuts yeah. Tom Wilkinson down, Finneyman <laughs> down, just immediately shuts him up. And um, <laughs> yeah, what is that? What is that? Who is, who is this? He's the, he's the money. He says, I will allow you to stay as long as you stay silent. <laughs> <laughs> and then Finneyman uh, proceeds yeah. to apologize profusely. Finneyman, who has been terrifying for, uh, up to that point, <laughs> up to that point is roundly put in his place by Ben Affleck. And, he, and, he's, and he's, he's just he's a completely different character for the rest of the film. He's this he's the love he's this lovable. Yeah, you know, inductee yeah. into the world into the world of theatre. Yeah, into um, the theatre. So takes on he takes on that role. Yeah, for the rest the rest of the play, he's the wide eyed. You know, ask is is asking um, asking Jeffrey Rush's character how's it all going to work, and, and Jeffrey Rush says, "Well, it will. It'll work out." And he says, "How?" And he says, "Oh, don't know. It's a but mystery." How? <laughs> um, it's a mystery. So that's kind of a repeated <laughs> that's a repeated theme. Um, I mean, there's lots of in-jokes uh, yeah. for people who yeah. do theatre. I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me to, to look at it as a non-theatre person. And, and I have to wonder how what non-theatre people think of all of the stuff. But, you know, for me, it was looking at it. And there's lots of, like, behind-the-scenes stuff that I truly appreciated and, and the fights that went on and, and how Tom Wilkinson couldn't see the difference yeah. between the stage fights and the real uh, yeah. fights. And, uh, <laughs> you're right it, this is it, it, it encapsulates excellent. the tone of of that of, of being involved in a, in a production and and, and any, anything else where you've got a bunch yeah. of amateurs trying to make the best of best of a situation of a bad situation of, <laughs> of a wild situation so that so the the uh, the first half of the second act is largely taken up with shagging there's uh, a lot of, a lot and of it's, shagging. it's done i mean it's it's difficult to say this in a post me too era uh but it's you know, it's very rom- it's romantic, um, and it's and the, it's, it's, the movie's very mm. adept at, you know, it's, it's it's all it's all done in sort of montage as they um, as they jump from the bedroom to the theatre and the rehearsals, um, and you know the the language is inter- interspersed, and so it it really it effectively you know builds on the theme that's established in that apothecary scene where poetry and lovemaking uh, are, are, are com- totally intertwined. Mm. And these two characters, um, uh, Will and Viola, they, they are completely, you know, although they've just met, they are, they are completely made for each other in uh, and, and the, and the way that they both respond mm. to, to, to poetry. In, in this romantic way. And it is, you know, it's, it's sweeping, it's effective. It's, um, it's, it's, it's well done. I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's, mm, uh, yeah. gratuitous at all. It's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty romantic. I don't know. I, um, I guess I remember this movie being famous at the time because it was, it featured a topless Gwyneth Paltrow for several scenes. I, I certainly remember there was there was some excitement. How old, about how old that. were you at the time, um, Craig? I thought some of that was. A... <laughs> <laughs> I was in my early twenties, I think. Um, but um, I, I remember watching it now. I kind of felt like some of that was a little gratuitous. Like, did we really need that much topless Gwyneth Paltrow? Like, yeah. I'm not complaining, but I'm just still saying like, yeah, you could have shot around a lot of that. It is what it is. And I guess it's a little. Um, it's hard to talk about this film without talking about. Harvey Weinstein as yeah. well. Like obviously he's a producer on this film. We'll we'll, we'll park the yeah, idea. That, that, I think we can talk about that. It ties in with the, the Oscar. Pot, the end of the film. The Oscar but, yeah. conversation. Don't worry, dear listener. We, we have an opinion <laughs> on all of that. None of it is good. But yeah, carry on. So 
as they as so the play the, the play develops over that over the first half of the the second half of the first hour first half of the second act um but eventually it turns you know the, uh, the, as he gets closer to the to the having to write the ending of the play and viola's impending marriage to wessex gets closer the mood begins to darken and the strain begins to show on the relationship yeah. between viola and will um that that obviously like he he clearly feels that they should should run off even though he's not that she knows well. that um, they should run off and and have something not so that, that she knows that um, so it, it turns spoiler alert, it, and it turns on um, a scene where viola and wessex are meant to go together to a ball that the queen is holding um which will will tags okay, along right. to in the guise of a serving maid oh she's a cousin <laughs> or cousin that's right no she's the cousin um yeah and that's and at this point the, the stakes get raised as well because the the, the well a couple of things happen uh, involving the queen so she she stakes she makes a wager literal she puts literal stakes on um on the outcome of the play and that she she makes a wager with wessex with wessex that the play that you can that you can present yeah. true love in a play which wessex disagrees with yeah cuz Wes, wessex disagrees with which to also the tune happens of 50 to be pounds. Exactly the amount that Will needs in order to get out of being a hired player and to to uh, be, to to, af- to afford entrance. Is it company. the King's Men? The King's Men Burbage, with William yeah. with so, uh, Burbridge. Yeah. So um, is it Burbridge who has a tombstone that reads <laughs> "Exit Stage Left"? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. And you know that famous portrait of of William Shakespeare that's hanging yeah. in the portrait gallery here in london um there's plenty of evidence to suggest that's not william shakespeare at all and really? that, that is actually burbage mm. yeah just a fun fact carry on um, as we were so <laughs> things turn things turn from there um uh burbage so there's a there's a, a, a Burbage finds out because Will has been playing Burbage. He's been promising them the script, but he's actually been he's, he's actually doing the script um, at the Rose, at the at the at the Rose Theatre at his yeah. home theatre. Um, and so, um, oh the oh sorry the other thing that other thing that happens that the Queen announces is that she announces to Wessex under her breath that um, uh, Viola has been plucked. His uh- has been plucked and not by you. Wessex starts to suspect or strongly suspect that she's having an affair. With somebody. And um, uh, Will um, wisely uh, plants the seed mm. that it was in fact uh, Kit Marlowe who has been seen around the... Uh, in a rear, in a running joke where um, he identifies himself as Kit Marlowe um, earlier on when um, Wessex finds him dancing with Viola. Yep. Viola. Um, and he, he tells him that his name is Kit Marlowe. So, um, Kit Marlowe, he, he employs, uh, he employs an early version of the shaggy defense that it wasn't me. <laughs> so, in you know, in, in very, in very tight style, things unravel in the second half of the second act. Viola finds out that Will is married. Marlowe is stabbed in a bar brawl, which Will suspects is his fault. He suspects yep. that that's, that's Wessex who has, who has done marlowe in because he suspects marlowe of shagging viola to, for which for which will is directly responsible um and um in a great colin firth performance yeah yeah that that scene where colin firth comes across viola and um uh, and he's writing and um oh yeah colin that's, that's really right they do a, a really good day because kit marlowe has been found dead they do a, yeah he's, so there's a there's a just, mistaken you know a, a, a mis- mistaken identity it. thing <laughs> where so um the way that he presents the news to viola implies that it's will who is the one who has died which they don't try and carry that on too long though they will appears yeah. in the next scene yeah and everyone's yeah. happy about it yeah, but that's, that's right. And then, they, and then, and then so, so things so start to things start to yeah. turn upwards again. Um, so Will and Wessex have a duel, um, at which Will finds out that Wessex is not the murderer; that it was a barroom brawl. But then there's there's the all is lost moment where um, the boy John Webster um, he he reveals he someone so 
Ho- and w- yep. so Will has offended famous, this boy uh, in a Chekhov's gun moment. He's kicked yeah. him out of kicked him out of the the theater for some reason, and so he comes back and reveals that Viola is a woman and that he has seen them shagging. Yeah, the theater the theater is closed yep. um, because for the indecency of having had a woman on the stage, and and everything looks like it has gone tits up. Boobies up, as it were. Or boobies up at that point. Um, and then, so the, the the second turning point is as, as things start to start to turn back up from there. Burbage comes and, and offers them the curtain in a you know a show of solidarity. So it's only it's only the rose that's closed, but he said you can come and, solidarity. Can come and perform, at, yeah. perform at the curtain. Um, and so then, and from then on, so the, and the the last act is essentially just the performance of the play. The highlights of it. The, hi- yeah, the highlights of it so yeah, um or the highlights of uh, it Fenniman has a, he has a role as the as the apothecary which he's been you know he's been looking forward to uh, he's very nervous about but he's able to deliver that there's a, a moment where the 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 prologue has a stutter and you're not sure if he's going to be able to get that get get over that yeah <laughs> the the prologue who was cast because he was the uh, he was the the tailor to um, Jeffrey Rush's character, and he owed him. There money. is a real. So he just cast him. It's, it's not just from state. having you know um, Tom funny. Wilkinson in this. There is a yeah. real kind of full Monty feel to that final act as they're trying to pull together all of this, all of this kind oh, of yeah. all, come overcome all of these disasters to actually accomplish this performance and they have no they have no Juliet well they have no well they start the show without a Juliet um but yeah yeah they um and the Juliet um because uh in the context of the film um uh Gwyneth Paltrow in 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 boy garb is playing Romeo um they have no Romeo because she's been cast out so William Shakespeare as Romeo Uh, but they have no Juliet because the uh Juliet that they had the boy his voice is yeah. cracked and he can't do the he can't do the the high tones anymore so um yeah so the show starts without a juliet and um it she's not on for yeah quite a long time juliet doesn't turn up in the play until gosh act two um yeah quite a long time and so it's so fortunately you know viola is in the audience and who has run off from her wedding from having been married she's, she's yeah. fled her wedding to come and watch this play and um uh is it burbage or is it um it's burbage and who was kind of moving through the audience for some other reason right and he happens to yeah he sees her. her yeah he spots her and happens to happens to spot her and um uh you know she asks her if she knows the lines and she says everyone and so she's she's pulled in to play to play the female role in what and what's presented as and, and i mean to this degree it's factual where that would have been quite a you know quite a scandal at the Absolutely. time yeah women weren't allowed on the stage um and so the ending so we've got to do the ending of course the show goes on of course it's wonderful Mo- mountains are moved um, hearts are broken surprise surprise the queen's there yep um and so she decrees that the you know she decrees that the wager is lost by wessex um but that's not enough to annul the marriage you know yeah it's they don't they don't go quite that they don't go quite that hollywood happy you know so she's she says to she says to Vi, I forget the line, but that's quite enough from you, Mister King. Yeah, she's yeah. Vi, Viola essentially. The Queen says you need to go and do your duty and and marry this marry Colin Firth. Yeah, she says something to the effect of, um, "I know something of a woman in a man's role." Um, yes. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know something about that. Um, by that's by right, God, that's... I know something about that. That's kind of her. That's that's kind of how she excuses the fact that she has performed on the stage. Yeah, right. I mean, if she can be queen of the country, then surely someone can, a woman can yeah, perform. Yeah, a woman stage. can play a can play a woman can play a woman on stage. on stage. Yeah, Christ. So she does. So so there. You know, they have they have an emotional um, farewell. Yep. Um, and it's and and again, it's it's nicely kind of wound in with Will beginning to write. Or beginning to formulate the start of Twelfth Night, yeah, um, and the character Viola, who who starts the play having been caught in a shipwreck. That's right, and so and which implies that that's what happens to Viola. She's going to go on a on a, a on, on a ship 
uh, on a sailing voyage with Wessex, who has is it Virginia? Yeah, he's, he's off got, to Virginia. He's got, He's got holdings and holdings in America. Tobacco. And so they're going to get. They're going to go. Yeah, tobacco. <laughs> they go out of their they're way to make this guy an asshole, um, Colin Firth. <laughs> not yeah. not only is he Colin Firth, like before he was Colin Firth, um, he's also um, uh, big, he, tobacco. Uh, big tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> they, I think they have a scene of him doing um, snuff as well, which is hilarious because. Yeah. <laughs> And he's got an earring. He's got this big, dopey, <laughs> curl does, earring. He does have a little, yeah. a little dangling earring. Yeah. Um, yeah, gosh. Yeah, so the final shot that they hang on, they hang on while the credits start to roll is her, uh, a female figure, you know, walking up a beach. Yeah. Um, which is how um, Twelfth Night Having starts. been involved yeah. in a shipwreck, yeah. which is how Twelfth Night starts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's Shakespeare in Love, people. Mike loves it. I just, I love it. It's tight. It's just, tight. The, ca- the okay. cast is amazing. The cast is the, really the good. Script is, the script is funny. Yep. There's lots of there's lots of decent one-liners and zingers. Um, I there's, there's a couple of little things. There's performance pieces in it that I really like. I love the the routine of Will um, sitting down to write, where he he kind of rubs the quill between his fingers, his hands like this, and spins around on the spot and spits and then sits yeah, down to write. Spits he, he, he does that a couple of times and, and it's magic every time um there's lots of there's lots of one two joke setups um you know the, yeah the, they're, they're great they set it up then they pay it off it, it's so good um but they don't do it but they don't do it too often no like, no it's the, not a marvel the writing, movie the, it, the writing yeah. the writing thing is only twice yeah. it's only done twice yeah. they don't ever bake it they don't ever bake um, it yeah um there's the and these all, these all, like I said at the start, these all kind of, these all push, push the boundary, but it's done well enough. Um, there's, there's also towards the end, um, uh, Henslow is, he's stuttering. Oh, someone's, someone's stuttering anyway. So they say, you know, the show must, and then someone else cuts in and says, go on. <laughs> uh, I, I did like the preacher who tight. was like, I played on writing. both your houses, um, and then he gets swept up with all the other yeah. theater goers, and then he's in the theater, and and like he's clearly emotionally invested. And in Andy's wildly yeah. clapping and cheering. Like I, I, I thought that was a yeah. a good sight gag. Oh. I liked that. There's, there's a lot to like in this film. I think I think most of my dislike of this film comes from the fact that it won the best picture, um, and I don't feel to this day watching it again that it is worthy of the best picture for 1999. And that I think so. Oh, I think that's largely where my animosity towards this film comes in. Is is there anything else you would change? Is there is there anything else? So setting that aside, so we'll we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I, is, is there, I kind of would have is, liked to have seen a more downer ending. Like that's what makes Romeo and Juliet so good, right? Is that I mean it parallels Romeo and Juliet in every other beat. It hits all those beats every every single scene. It's Romeo and Juliet, and then with complete with a balcony scene. There's the fights. Um, the, the the Paris character. He doesn't die. He. Sh- I feel like he should, but I. Um, I assume Paris is meant to be Wessex, but um, mm. uh, and all of that. I just kind of feel like the ending. You've kind of got this almost happy ending where you're left with this idea that perhaps she's washed back ashore. And she's now walking her way back to London. Um, I, I, I don't. I, I just think I would have rather have seen <laughs> seen a downer ending. That's what makes Romeo and Juliet good. You want them to get together. You want them to win. They don't. But they they can't. They. I don't think it does imply that they're going to get back together because she knows that he's married. They're not going to go. They're not going to. She's she's not going back to him to start a life with him. She knows he's he's married. That's. I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's it. In fact, it is. They probably, you know, I've I've said I've said they do. They do go a little bit down in this in the sense that they are separated. They choose not to have them together. Mm. But I guess historically, they can't imply that these two live happy ever after. No, no. This isn't a Tarantino film not, where you rewrite history. He, so. Yeah, he does not divorce his wife. No. Um, <laughs> He does not go on to and, produce sequels and to Romeo and Juliet and, yeah. and have, you know, wonderful shows with his lovely wife, Viola. So, yeah, no. there's so so they, they were probably it's, it's possible that they thought about doing that 
And then they that's that they ha- they wrote that on one piece of paper, and then they wrote death on another <laughs> piece of paper. They put them at opposite ends of the room, and they said, "Well, what's in between these two? Because um, if you're gonna do to, if you're gonna do the Romeo and Juliet, Craig, you can't just do Will and Viola. You gotta you gotta kill that supporting cast. Yeah, fuck yeah, you let's get kill, amongst it. You gotta kill you gotta kill Ben Affleck. Kill, definitely kill Paris. You, you gotta kill Jeff. You gotta kill Jeffrey Rush. You gotta kill Ma- Martin Clunes. Oh, I liked Martin Clunes in this. He was great. Yeah, there's a, a a lot of a lot of people who have to die if you're going to be true to Romeo and Juliet. Uh, I suppose maybe that's maybe that's what I wanted to see more of. Like, you go out of your way kill, to do kill, this. Kill John Webster. Kill the kid. Kill the. I'll oh, kill that kid for sure. Like 100. <laughs> percent Him and his mice. Get rid of him. Um, yeah. I, perhaps we can't have the one-to-one analog that I would like to see, but. I can I can wish for it. I can dream. And despite my being quite down on this film, like I quite liked it. Um, it it's a good film. It's a good comedy. Um, it's a little smarter than your average um, comedy. It's not it's not shallow Hal. Um, it's 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 a good. So film. Is, I mean, I think that's the yeah. If I have, it's 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 a little bit too. You know, I, I thought of movies like um, History Boys. Yeah. Which which again is it's in the same. It's in the same territory, and I had to look this one up. But one Wonder Boys as well, and I didn't think of that just because they both ended boys. Uh. <laughs> um, but that's that's another one. Uh, that's a Michael Douglas one where it's you know he's an English professor, uh. um, and and he's got you know he's he's got strife, he's got troubles. Toby Maguire in it, is in it as well, and I don't think I've seen it. And you know that they're both kind of you know they're, they're unknowing and, and there's a lot of in jokes mm. and this is so this is we haven't mentioned this um tom tom stoppard co-wrote this yeah um, who's a who wrote, playwright who wrote rosencrantz and yeah. guildenstern are dead yeah um so you know he's got a he's got a solid pedigree i don't know the, I, I don't know the other writer um mark norman i don't know what else He's he's the guy who originated the story. I know that much. Um, so I don't know what the, I don't know what this director's done either. John Madden. Uh, he's done a little bit. He's he's an English director. He's famous for doing um, Mrs. Brown. So he did Mrs. Brown with Judy Dench like the year before, or 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 some years earlier. I'm not sure how many years earlier. Um, which was Oscar nominated as well, um, where Judy Dench plays a queen. So it's a bit of a. Um, it's a bit is of that, a is that is Billy Connolly in there? Yeah, that's as well? right. Yeah, it's the relationship yeah. between um, is it? I always get these wrong. It's Victoria in her later years with her security guard or security guy, Mister Brown, yeah. and um, and the 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 scandal that kind of came along with that. Um, hmm. But yeah, he did that. Um, he had like three films in a row, which was Mrs. Brown, Shakespeare in Love, and Captain Corelli's Mandolin. And all of them were wildly oh, yeah. considered to be Oscar bait. I, I, I've only seen Shakespeare in Love and I've only seen bits of Mrs. Brown. Um, yep. But beyond that, um, he's now probably best known for doing the two best exotic Marigold Hotel films. Oh, okay. The same guy. Yeah, and he's got a lot of English um, got a lot of English television behind him as well. So, I mean, he's a solid okay. director. He clearly knows what he's yep. doing. He, he puts together a fine film. It's well shot, well cut, well written, yeah. and especially well acted um so it's it's, it is kind of interesting interesting crossover of america of crossing of the atlantic right yeah yeah because it's a hollywood 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 film film. almost almost entirely by english act yeah by english talent uh, yeah talent yeah yeah so the um the the writer of this has basically done nothing since so um Mm. he's he's known for um uh cutthroat island which is terrible. He also did the Aviator. I remember. I remember Cutthroat Island. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the movie that ended um, the careers of Gina Davis and Matthew so, Modine, and um, yeah. the uh, director whose name Rennie Harlan. It ended his career as well. Um, oh, Gina Davis. I like Gina Davis. She was really good. She needs to be in more things. Yeah. So right. he, um, he, yeah. We're so, nearly out. Of, we're nearly out of time. We should talk about. We should talk about. Uh, <laughs> The Oscars. Yeah, I don't think you can talk about this film without talking about the 1999 Oscars. So, um, famously, this movie won over um, Saving Private Ryan, Thin Red Line, Life is Beautiful, um, and the other one, uh, I forget, immediately. Um, hold on. Those three, those yeah, those three, three right three. there. 
are uh, solid films. Solid, a, a very solid trio of movies. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot's been written about this, uh, and we're 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 about twenty years, um, twenty years ahead of or, or behind the times here. Uh, but it's the 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 initial first reading is that you have to assume that those three movies split the drama vote. Well, you you got three the, the films vote, the, about the vote World for grim, yeah, grim World War Two drama, all done in slightly different ways, done in, in the in the epic Spielberg way. Oh, absolutely, through, Saving Private Ryan, Saving is, Private Ryan, yeah. done done in the the charming foreign way. By life um, is beautiful. In, in life is beautiful. I mean, just the idea of doing a comedy set in a freaking concentration camp in Italy in World War Two. And having a happy ending out of that somehow, a tragically yeah. happy ending out of that somehow. Um, I think about I think about those scenes now. I haven't seen that movie since it came out, and some of those scenes have stuck with me. Um, the, oh yeah, the kid riding on the tank at the end, um, the dad um, Roberto Benigni as he's being um, marched away by the soldiers to be shot, goose, um, goose yeah, stepping, goose stepping, making fun and, and making the kid laugh. Just like some of those are haunting. Oh jeez, yeah, yeah, haunting. Um, and you know, this, like when I think about films, when I think about films like Oscar winners like this, and this is probably the last time I paid this, I, I cared this much about Oscar winners was was nineteen ninety nine. Um, when you think about um, Life is Beautiful, Saving Private Ryan, the entire first 15 minutes of that film, frickin' Tom Hanks dying on the bridge at the end. Uh, when you think about the thin red line and um, all of the beautiful imagery in that, um, how he made an art house film about the frickin' um, uh, ground war in Southeast Asia in World War II. Um, and then you think about Shakespeare in Love. I just, I don't know, it's just wrong. I. I I think almost we should be going back and giving giving the Oscar to, to Life is Beautiful, to, to Saving Private Ryan, because time has, has spoken. And I'd, if it weren't for this podcast, I never would have watched Shakespeare in Love again. Um, hmm. I'm not, not sad that I did, but I will happily, happily go and watch Saving Private Ryan, Life is Beautiful. Even Elizabeth, yeah. which was the other one that was the fifth... Oh, Elizabeth, yeah. that's right. Um, another movie about Elizabeth. So it was kind of funny. There were two actresses nominated for playing Elizabeth in the same year because Kate Blanchett was playing it's Elizabeth. Kate Blanchett, yeah. yeah. she was playing Elizabeth. Um, and and I think about Gwyneth Paltrow winning an, a, a, um, an actress who has, was not nominated before and has not been nominated since this film. Um, but, you know, Gwyneth, uh, Kate Blanchett has been nominated multiple times over that period. And I, I don't even think she's... I don't think she's won. But... Um, did Gwyneth Paltrow win Best Actress? Yeah, she won Best Actress. Like, how does that track? Um, I thought she that's was... A bit of a, that's a bit of a stretch. I, I, and to think about it, she was up against um, Emily Watson, Meryl Streep, um, Fernanda Montenegro, um, who I, I actually don't know, um, and um, Kate Blanchett. So she, she beat out those four heavy hitters, or at least those mm. three heavy hitters. Um, yeah, God, this movie just makes me upset. Um the only thing it didn't win was Best Director, but it was nominated for Best Director. Steven Spielberg won that year, so yeah. So, so there's the there's the the vote splitting theory. That, yeah, that it was up against you know up against three, three different, very different movies, all on exactly the same trajectory. Session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you think you think well, if you're going to vote for a war movie. Yeah, you got three to choose from. Three Although, choose interestingly, from. that theory didn't hold up this year, where you had three movies all on the black rights yeah. theme, and they gave civil it, rights, they gave it civil the, one the happy theme. ending, and yeah. one of those, one of those won. <laughs> so that the, the vote splitting didn't happen there. <laughs> that movie is going to be instantly forgotten too. Um, Green Book, my God. Or the other theory is that um, it was the first time that a successful um, Oscar campaign had been run by. Yeah. By Harvey Weinstein, so he yeah. he invented he invented this this tactic, and it's the playbook that is used to this day. So um, he, um, he 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 successful. He knew that the real contest was between um, Saving Private Ryan and everything else. So Saving Private Ryan was the film to beat. Um, it had everything he needed: a list cast, um, a, a topic, jingoistic flag waving, everything the Academy loves. 
Um, and he started, also gra- also ground groundbreaking. Oh yeah, absolutely uh, unflinching in know. its depiction of war. Uh, that really changed yeah. the way that war films were shot. Because I mean, before yeah. that, it's all glorious, right? People die with the flag in their hand and, and it's fluttering yeah. in the wind. No, and this people are getting their arms and legs shot off, and then there's the, that haunting shot of a guy running around the beach, missing an arm, trying to find his arm on the beach, like you know, um, yeah. just just in a staggering film and. Um, he started a whisper campaign um which is a which is a tactic where and by basically it's just gossip where you you get the right people to say the right kind of phrases and you just keep hitting those phrases and the phrase was saving private ryan is all in the 15 the first 15 minutes so once you get past that first 15 minutes there's nothing else to the film you can you can leave the cinema um and it was successful i i, I think it was successful harvey weinstein um, is a deplorable piece of shit and uh, should be should be flushed. <laughs> so that's so is that the I guess uh, it's not unlike a, a running a political hit campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Where you yeah. just you have your you just you just have your talking point and you hammer it you enough hammer it. and you get you get other people hammering yep. hammering hammering. Just keep hammering enough. that point. Build a wall. Lock her yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. just keep hammering it all in the first fifteen minutes and that that's a criticism that persists to this day about saving private ryan oh it's all in the first 15 minutes it really isn't it's an amazing opening but that film just goes from strength to strength all the way through to the final act it's just amazing yep. film um but just take saving private ryan out of it talk about life is beautiful how you can do it and i said this before i'll say it again it bears repeating how you can do a comedy that is legitimately funny and heartwarming and beautiful set in a concentration camp for the second half of the film is just yeah staggering to me and roberto benini um he he won the best actor that year um for his portrayal in that film um and he famously stood on steven spielberg when he when he won the award so he's standing on the back of steven spielberg's chair at the oscars <laughs> and he's like oh he's doing a king of the world moment and he gets up on stage and in his terrible english he's he tells them all that he, he wants to take everyone up into his bed and make love to them all like that's <laughs> roberto benini get in there mate um uh so yeah how you could how you could overlook that for Shakespeare in Love just boggles my I mean, mind. Well, I mean, that one's that's more easily explained. And that I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Has there ever been a foreign language and a movie not in English that has won Best Picture? Surely not. I I don't. I think you could be right. I I don't think so. It it won Best Foreign Film. I think it won yeah. Best Foreign Film. Um, even just to be nominated in the best picture i can't i can't think of many instances where a foreign language film has been nominated for best yeah picture. last year we had one for the the for that oh, i forget the name of it it's terrible of me to forget it but there was one last year as well um okay but yeah it it, it was it was beat out by green book um yeah yeah life is beautiful uh was was beat out by what uh, was the best winner for best foreign language film so you're absolutely right mm. i mean that's how they got around that and i kind of felt I mean, if there was a single person handing out awards, I kind of felt like, that. okay, well, we can give Best Foreign Language Film to Life is Beautiful. We'll give Best Director to Steven Spielberg because he deserves that shit. Uh, and we'll give Best mm. Picture to um, Shakespeare in Love. But as the, as the voter, that's that's the mental process you go through as a, as a voter, right? Because every, yeah. everyone in the Academy, they get to vote for all of these. Yeah, they do. Categories, yeah. right? Yeah, and this was the first year that like technology really played a part in the whole winning as well. So nowadays it's quite common for studios to send out screener copies of their films to the yeah. Academy. So that's done on DVD. Uh, and rather famously, those screener copies wind up on the internet later that afternoon and yeah. it's got the screener copy. So um, Harvey Weinstein sent out VHS copies of Shakespeare in Love to the Academy to, 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 to cement the idea that it was a... An Oscar really winner. was this the first time yeah it was one of the first, first times time if not that. the first time it was one of the first times it was certainly done in large scale he also the other thing that they did um they they held back the opening of it till late november early december um so they they it was fresh in people's minds because uh, uh saving private ryan came out in the summer like in june july oh wow yeah so it was like so it was it was it had been in cinemas and was just now leaving and so he purposefully released it later in the year so that yeah. it was fresh. And so they wanted an Oscar win. I mean, this is when Miramax was just kind of starting up and they wanted that. They needed that Oscar win to be a credible film studio so that other studios would take them seriously. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So Harvey Weinstein, Jesus, what a piece of shit. They, they made, there's a movie about that, that process of sending out your screener copies. Um, have you seen that? It's called no. For Your Consideration. For your oh, consideration. no, I haven't. I haven't seen that. Is it any good? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. it's good. I yeah. think, oh, oh, actually, I don't remember. I might be, I might be make misremembering. It, make, I don't make remember it, if it's good. Oh. It's a good idea, though. It's a good mm. idea for a movie. Yeah, so um, you want to know what else was big in 1998? I had to look this up. So um, Shakespeare in Love was the, uh, was the ninth, internationally was the ninth, biggest grossing film of 1998 at 289 million do you want to know what the number one grossing film for 1998 was um sure hit me armageddon <laughs> oh shit. ben affleck again ben affleck had a hell of a year man he was what in, a year he was in armageddon had. um yeah 553 million worldwide um and i was looking at the oscar winners here um, do you know what song won Best Original Song um, for 1999? For the same Oscar that year? Be, that must be... No, that would be too late for Lion King. No, I don't know. What? It, it was from an animated film. It was When You Believe from The Prince of Egypt. Uh, music and words... Uh, music and lyrics by Stephen Schwartz, who would later go on to do Wicked. Um, but you know what else was nominated in that same year? And I think this is a crime it didn't win it. Um, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing from armageddon oh jesus <laughs> how could you pass up on that classic from aerosmith and diane warren i ask you how could you prince of egypt incidentally dope as hell yeah what an awesome movie that is amy really likes it i haven't seen it they're, they're doing a stage production of it here in london that i i, I know we're gonna go have to see but you uh, should you should check you should check out the movie oh yeah it's really good is it is yep. it verging on greatness should we do it for the podcast uh, I think it's I think it's too good. You think it's too good? Yeah. I, I don't think that should stop us. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll see. What, we'll see what sort of reception reception trying to pick apart an Oscar win gets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like and like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Comment. Um, yeah, but Jesus. Um, I think it's I think it's also worth pointing out that like obviously Harvey Weinstein turned out to be an incredibly challenged and challenging and just all around deplorable human being. Um, it's also worth noting that um, Gwyneth Paltrow um, made an accusation. I don't know if she did it at the time, but she was called and she, she, she was effectively the, the, the routine. His standard MO was come back to this hotel and give me a massage type thing. Oh, so she, it was, yeah. that was suggested of her. Um, and I didn't know this, Till I started looking into this film, but Ben Affleck and her were actually dating at the time, um, okay. so that's how he wound up in the film. Like he 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 didn't want to be away from her for all that time, so he took a part in the film so that he could be around as well. Um, oh, yeah. Funnily enough, they dated for three years. I didn't realize this. Um, there was life before Brad Pitt. Who knew it? Mm. And um, but yeah, um, she she yeah, made it's, an. It's not nice to. It's not nice to think about the, the, the treatment that she probably... Oh, went through. Under, underwent over yeah. the course of being involved in this film. Yeah, because she, she basically goes on from this film to, to not do a heck of a lot afterwards. So she, um, she does Shakespeare... Movie-wise. Movie-wise, yeah. So she's in this and then she's in... I, I went and looked this up the other day because I was like, oh... Because this was like peak Gwyneth when she did this movie. So she... She does Shakespeare in Love. Then she um, she bit parts in Dogma. She's an untalented Mr. Ripley, which is also very good. Um, yeah, she does that is good. Duets. She comes back and bounce with Ben Affleck. And then there's When's, like, is it Sliding Doors or is that before that's this? Be- before that this, yeah, just before this, just before this. Um, and then she's um, it's like nothing. She's in a bunch of. She's really in not a heck of a lot. She's Sylvia and Sylvia Plath. Um, and then it's not until 2008 when she turns up in Iron Man as the token, the token girlfriend character, Pepper Potts, um, which mm. she, she, she crushes it. She smashes that. Um, mm. but I guess, I guess by that point she was running her goop website and selling jade vagina eggs to people for thousands of dollars. So go Gwyneth, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's what if there's an audience for it. People if people yeah. will buy it. Go for sell it, it, I suppose. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> Seller of woo to people with far too much money. 
Um, oh, and the other thing I really liked about uh, Shakespeare in Love was uh, was the second film in a row where Colin Firth uh, was the, uh, the the hard done by love interest to a, a Fiennes brother. So uh, a few years earlier, <laughs> he had been in um, the English patient, and he loses his um, his love interest, runs off with uh, Rafe Fiennes, Ra- Ra- and Fiennes. In, and, uh, and in this movie, he uh, he uh, loses his love interest to another Fiennes brother. I I. I, I <laughs> I kind of had hoped that as uh, cinema would progress, he would continue to lose love interest to a fine <laughs> brother. So if I, if I had my way, that should be a thing. I would make a movie and cast Colin Firth in it and then have his wife run off with either Ralph or Joseph Fiennes. <laughs> that would be that would be my thing. <laughs> people people wanted to play Darcy all the time. No, my thing would be him losing a girlfriend or wife to a Fiennes brother. So these are the these are the dream, these are the, the dreams that keep keep Craig going through the dark through the dark times. Dark cold maybe, nights. Maybe, I am warm someday. Warmed maybe someday by the fire that is Colin Firth losing a woman <laughs> to a Fiennes brother. And that is what gives me the motivation to proceed forward into the dark, cold night. <laughs> okay, we're bearing off track. We should wrap this up. Uh, Craig, very good to talk to you. Anything else you want to say about this movie? Um, go watch Saving Private Ryan, yo. That's a great movie. Oh, yeah, I also, should watch that again. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, it's also, it's also worth interesting to note that um, Amy, my wife, uh, had not seen this movie. She has not seen Shakespeare. Uh, she had not seen uh, Saving Private Ryan. She hasn't seen the other Oscar winners. Uh, she watched it. She did not like this movie. Mm. Mm. She she wanted it to be Upstart Crow, and um, I said it's not really that mm. kind of comedy, but just interesting. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. You're on your own on this one, Mike. You can call it. I'd say it's verging on greatness. I suppose. <laughs> At so, one best picture, you uh, are on your own. Uh, <laughs> it stole it. But yeah. All right. Very good. Cool. Thank <laughs> you for listening, uh, loyal audience. Um, we'll be back next time with uh, not an Oscar winner. Um, uh, we do have a, just a little teaser. Um, we're going to try. We've got a plan to do a, a, a New Zealand movie. A uh, Kiwi next film. Time, yep. Next time, a Kiwi. Kiwi, Kiwi film. Um, yep. New Zealand. Uh, I'm uh, I'm from New Zealand. Craig is also from New Zealand, even though he Doesn't uh, sound it. lives yeah. lives in London and <laughs> sounds like an American. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, we're gonna guys. we're gonna we're gonna dip into that next time around. Yeah. Um. And we'll we'll let you know what that movie is. Yeah. Um. When that when that comes out. In the meantime, if yeah. you've Got something you want to suggest, New Zealand or otherwise? Yeah. Let us know. Hit us up on Facebook up. or on Twitter. Uh, we're at. At Verging on Greatness on Twitter, I think on Facebook there's a, an official page. You can follow us or like and subscribe, comment, or just generally abuse us for, for getting Yeah, abuse. Yeah. Open to abuse. Because I, earlier I said okay. Victorian England. It's clearly not. It's Elizabethan. Oh. So, yeah. oh. Get out. <laughs> All right. I'll see you later, Craig. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.